everyone and welcome to a very special episode of Let's Jaws for a Minute. Uh, we are not talking about a film today but we are talking about something uh, that I think a lot of you will be very interested to hear about. Uh, so I have a special guest joining me and uh, here's Jamie Benning. Hi Jamie, how are you doing? Hi there, yeah I'm good thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting about our project. Yes, yeah exactly, yeah very very exciting. Uh, all a mystery at the moment but we'll get in <laughs> we'll get into all of that but um yeah you are uh for film filmumentaries am i saying that right is the yeah, sort of <laughs> baby <laughs> yeah it's a it's an odd word it was kind of b- b- born out of documentaries that ran at this in on the timeline of a film and the, i think mm. one of my friends just said filmumentaries and it's a it's a kind of crazy <laughs> dumb word but the good thing is if you search on google nothing else comes up so yeah it's a yeah exactly yeah yeah (laughs) memorable uh and avoiding duplication on google is always always a great way to start um but yeah we've got you on to talk about a uh a project that you have coming up but just about your work generally as well as as a way of introducing you so um a lot of people i think will have heard uh inside jaws which is one of your one of your projects um but yeah tell us tell us who you are and what you do yeah so i I, back in the early 2000s i kind of embarked upon this project this was before I called them filmumentaries. I just decided to kind of collate all of the behind the behind the scenes material that was kind of spread across the galaxy. I started with Star Wars, hence the pun. Um, and I started with actually <laughs> Empire Strikes Back and I made Building Empire and I pulled together all of the resources I could find behind the scenes, video, photographs, uh, commentaries, um, interviews. I made a commentary track essentially from interviews and it kind of hit quite big on the kind of Star Wars forums and things. And then in 2008, I did Returning to Jedi. I then took four years to finish Star Wars Begins, about the first Star Wars <laughs> movie, in, uh, the 77 movie. And then after that, I jumped into Raiders of the Lost Ark with uh, Raiding the Lost Ark. And then I thought, hey, this is going pretty well, so why don't I do, do Jaws <laughs> as well? And Jaws was a movie that I'd always liked and always loved, but I was always a little bit scared of it. I've, I'm not really a horror guy I know Jaws probably isn't quite in the horror genre but I I just it made me stop swimming as a kid you know it's one of those movies <laughs> and I didn't know if I wanted to watch it a hundred times over editing this kind of almost like a 3D commentary track so you as you watch the movie you get to hear Steven Spielberg and all of his cast and crew talk and you see behind the scenes video and pictures and animations to explain things as well as you watch the movie kind of thing so mm-hmm. it's like this mm-hmm. kind of ultimate commentary was the thing uh, was that was the tagline at the time and that that hit quite big again and I ended up like with a full page interview in the New York Times I was on the BBC radio mm-hmm. film program this was all back in 2013 so quite a while ago now mm-hmm. um, and then since then I've been kind of doing little side projects uh, interviewing producers and 
people whose work I admired. I chatted to Robert Watts, who produced some of the Indiana Jones movies and Star Wars movies. And then in lockdown, I started doing my podcasts and and then the project that we're going to talk about. Mm, yeah, another another lockdown podcast. Uh, welcome to the club. We are one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are one of those as well. And I the the ones that are still going are the ones that I uh, admire the most because everyone started a podcast as a lockdown project. It seemed, but if it's if that's still going and you're still pushing through, yeah, congratulations. Well, I, thank you. Yeah, and to you as well. well I'm 63 <laughs> episodes in now, and mm. you know my latest guest was Dennis Muren. You know he ILM uh, VFX guru guru. Uh, mm. Dennis Muir, and he's got more Oscars than anybody else in the world. I think Walt Disney wow. is the only person that, that beat him. Uh, he's certainly <laughs> the, the person currently living with the most Oscars, and I got to chat to him. Mm. So pretty massive guest, you know, somebody whose work I've admired. And that's kind of my podcast, really. The Filmumentary mm. podcast is me, that guy who made those filmumentary things a few years ago, talking <laughs> to these people whose work he admires. And, and, you know, it's just been a blast, actually. It's been so much fun talking to people who... I've seen and read about since I was a kid and um, mm. yeah I, I really enjoy it and I'm you know pushing on I thought maybe I'll do 10 episodes I'll see how it goes and now I'm at 63 <laughs> I'm thinking I have to go for the 100. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah I with ours obviously it was going through Jaws minute by minute but I mm. think we always knew that we were <laughs> we were gonna ca- carry on after that because once you get us started on, on talking about something and then when I actually sat down and hashed out what it could look like after we'd finished talking about Jaws. I was like, well, yep, there's a, a good few years of material left that we can cover, so mm-hmm, we'll, mm-hmm. Just, we'll just carry this on uh, <laughs> until people get sick of us. Uh, hopefully <laughs> that doesn't happen. But you're talking, uh, obviously, the you know covering things like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Jaws, and it, wh- when you're sort of looking for your next project your next thing that you that you want to do whether that's in the in the documentaries or uh in the podcast is it usually do you find yourself drawn to the things that you like the things that you enjoy yeah definitely I mean I I grew up I was born in 76 so my life you know Star Wars came Jaws had just come out the summer before Mm. Star Wars came out the summer after and I've just been immersed in in those worlds throughout my life you know they've they've kind of come and gone as I've gone through the teenage years and then I sort of refound them in my late teens and then, you know, went to college and did film studies and fell in love with them again. And, and each time I find some sort of new, new way of getting back into them. And the podcast is the mm. kind of latest iteration of that. And, you know, occasionally I've had guests on whose work I don't really know. And I just like the kind of challenge of finding out something new The the kind of reason I started the podcast, apart from losing all of my freelance work in the TV industry, <laughs> thanks to mm. COVID, was that I loved this idea of trying to record all these stories and kind of create an archive, because I don't think film history is recorded that well, like Hollywood particularly mm. isn't very good mm-hmm. at recording its own history. I know we have the Academy Museum now. I went there in in March this year, and it's it's good, it's great, but it's kind of sparse, you know, there's there's yeah, still a lot of work yeah. to do. And I sort of took it upon myself to to create this this archive of things, but... I generally am drawn back each time. <laughs> like I'll, I'll veer away from Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Jaws for a little bit. And maybe I, I ended up mm. talking to the sound designers of Dune, um, mm. Mark Mangini and Theo Green. And then I find myself kind of veering back, you know, towards Industrial Light and Magic after seeing 
Light and Magic on Disney Plus, and I've had a few mm. guests that worked there. And yeah, it's I don't know. I'm I'm forever going to be in love with those movies, and I'm always going to be drawn back in in a new way. And in fact, I'm putting a book out next year, <laughs> which is like a timeline. <laughs> With a friend of mine, Justin Berger, we're doing a timeline of Return of the Jedi. So it's a kind of reference book in a way, um, mm. you know, chronicling all the pre-production, production, post-production and, and aftermath of Return of the Jedi. And I'm going to be interspersing it with um, quotes from my podcast, from my guests, because I've chatted to a whole bunch of people that worked on that movie. So mm. I'll always find some way of doing it. You know, my wife keeps saying to me, you'd be doing this stuff anyway. So just do some, do something <laughs> with it and do something you enjoy doing. And, you know, mm. it is work, as, as I'm sure you can attest to. Um, yeah. But it's the best work. I enjoy it the most out of all the things I do. Yeah, it's that old cliche, isn't it? Like if your job is doing something that you love, then it mm. won't really feel like work. You'll You'll be busy. And that doesn't mean that every single day is an absolute breeze there are there are hurdles to overcome and difficult things to get through but it's it really makes a difference when it's something that you love and something that you're that you're passionate about and Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting what you're saying just then about the films didn't really sort of keep those records or or document you know the make obviously there's making of documentaries Mm -hmm. and things like that but I've watched a lot of the, obviously, like, the the Jaws making of and that sort of thing. And what happened to the orca always just blows my mind that this Mm -hmm. really important prop in the film, they didn't think to preserve it. (laughs) Like, it was just just a prop. And it was like that for so many other films as well, wasn't it? Just these were the props we used. For the the behind-the-scenes guys, it's just kind of another job their next job that they're working on and they don't think that nerds like us in you know almost 50 years later are going to be like i would love to see the original props (laughs) Mm, yeah especially in those days you know for jaws and star wars and indiana jones the stuff just got chucked in skips you know i chatted to some of the guys that operated jabba the hut and one of them john coppinger who was the guy that built him um he would go and visit jabba in this like just sort of disintegrating at oh. Elstree Studios and then he found him in a skip one day and saved his eyes you know and it's one oh. of the few remaining bits of him and like it's the same thing with the orca isn't it it just sort of fell yeah. to bits and it's people like us that kind of took it upon themselves to salvage what was left you know and mm. actually understand mm. the importance that this stuff has and, and obviously now the industry is completely different I think you know Marvel movies are made very much with you know the idea of selling things on you know <laughs> it's part of yeah. their reclaiming some of their budget I'm sure but um yeah back in those days it was is very rare for something to to survive and I I've, I'm just kind of driven to record the stories of people that don't always get the chance to speak you know like I said earlier mm. Dennis Murin mm. was a big guest and I spoke to Walter Murch who's talked a lot about his work as well um with Francis Ford Coppola but there's people you know, behind, behind the scenes who just don't get a chance. Mm. Every person on those credits has got a, a story to tell, hopefully an interesting yeah. one, not always, but most of the time. <laughs> and, you know, I was kind of driven when my granddad passed away. He, you know, he didn't work in the film industry or anything. He was just a very good storyteller. And when mm. he passed away, we were all trying to cobble these stories together. What was, what, what was the punchline to this and why did that happen? And I thought, Do you know what, I really should have recorded him. And yeah. a lot of these people I speak to now, especially, so you know, the industry was very male orientated for, for many mm, years, you uh-huh. know. Um, so a lot of these guys now are in their late 70s, early 80s. 
not only have they uh, not only are they now looking back at the sort of legacy they've left behind they're kind of not necessarily unfiltered but they're kind of less likely to to tow the party line and mm. i'm not looking for salacious things but you know there's a certain openness to some <laughs> of these people i've spoken to they'll they'll tell you how it is or how it was and um yeah i just want to make sure that in 5 years time people will still be able to find the episodes of my podcast and if they're studying you know about sound design i've got three episodes mm. on that you know if they're looking at vfx i've probably got 10 episodes on that so um yeah i just i just enjoy the idea of creating something that's going to last a little bit yeah and it's you know the the people who made these films or involved in these films particularly if you the further back you go i mean that are, are not gonna be around for forever it's just a, a fact of life isn't it so it's like the you feel the need to sort of get those stories and record those stories while you can it's like they odd comparison but talking on on the news recently about how you know war veterans and stuff there will come a time when they are all gone and it's yeah. important to get those mm -hmm. to get those stories now so you've got like the first hand accounts of of what happened because mm. they mean something and they are useful and they are i mean fascinating you know documents and and things that people will want to read study watch mm. listen to whatever like further down the line so this is obviously different but similar in a way it's it's yeah. getting those stories while you can isn't it yeah absolutely and you know we should learn from our past we don't always <laughs> but mm. we should learn from the, the past all right the industry has changed massively since you know for instance Ivor Powell who I spoke to who worked on 2001 you know for his first job for Kubrick and then ended up being Ridley Scott's right-hand man for a number of years through the kind of uh alien film the first alien film and a little bit after mm. that and you know he's in his 70s now Ivo. he's still working in the industry he actually co-wrote finch the the tom hanks movie that was on mm. apple mm -hmm. tv a while back um yeah but you know he he was very open with us and he told us some great stories on mic and off mic as well and <laughs> i just think it's really important for people to understand what the industry was like back then you know these these people were really kind of hanging it out there like you know, you think of Jaws, they're out in the ocean mm. with these giant mm -hmm, mechanical mm -hmm. things, you know, piston driven and air driven. <laughs> just think it, mm. it's crazy <laughs> to think that now these days, you know, it just wouldn't even be considered. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I just really like the idea of, uh, well, I just love spending my spare time talking to these people because there's always something new to find out. Yeah, absolutely. And with films being made very very differently now the fact that a film was made where they constructed this giant shark and it didn't always work and that affected the film and there's a whole bunch of stuff you can look into just with jaws in terms mm -hmm. of the the behind the scenes stuff and kids now the concept i don't want to be that kids these days person but <laughs> kids now would be like something ma was made that wasn't made with computers like that's mm. <laughs> it's almost like an alien concept isn't it so preserving that as well and that that advancements in technology and special effects and mm -hmm. props and everything is got films to where they where they are now i mean even in spielberg's mm. work you see him playing around with with special effects and you see how that changes from from Jaws through, you know, the Indiana Jones films and then much later and beyond the technology changing over time. But you owe so much to the 
to that initial legacy of the of those early kind of masters of of their craft really yeah you i mean all of these things are just tools right they're just tools to tell Mm. a story Mm. and i think spielberg has always been very good at kind of adopting new ways of telling stories but you know you were saying before we started recording about how watching the spielberg movies in chronological order you see the kind of progression and i love that kind of progression of the industry you know talking as i said to um, to dennis muir and he was there from star wars through jurassic park you know Mm. and up to mm. the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and things where things changed, you know, so dramatically in that in that period. And I like th- mm. that somebody like him was able to maintain his position in the industry and, you know, adapt and evolve. And, you know, some of the people on Jaws, for instance, they, that was quite an old crew, you know. <laughs> A lot of those mm. guys were already <laughs> well into their 30s with this young yeah. 20-something-year-old Steven Spielberg running around. But... <laughs> What's interesting about Stephen is he seems to sort of take these people on the journey with him. You know, he's got his particular um, DOP that he uses these days and, you know, people carry their crews forward. So when I do these podcasts, I often find crossover into other movies um, mm, or I'll get mm. I'll get a guest say to me, oh, you know who you should speak to? You should speak to this person. Um, and each time I do do an episode, it kind of is a little more. It's another addition to my my resume, to my CV, you know. Um, <laughs> Dennis Muren, I think, was recommended um, by a, a colleague of mine, a friend of mine who works for the BBC, um, who, mm. who does a lot of film-related stuff. And he said, you know, he's, he's had this person on and that person on. And I think it sort of counts, you know, if, if they see somebody that they regard as one of their heroes or contemporaries themselves, they, they feel the need, oh, I, I better go on that podcast as well. <laughs> so I've now got this kind of self-generating podcast guest machine, uh, which is going mm. well. So I've got a few down the line and I'll just keep doing it until I don't want to do it anymore. You know, if, yeah. if the enthusiasm goes, then uh, I'll, I'll stop it and I'll leave it there. I'll still pay and it'll still be there as an archive and everything. But um, mm. yeah, I'm just I'm just enjoying always it's always about story for me always digging out stories that I've not heard and I love mm. the I relish the idea of finding things that other people haven't heard about as well and that was with Inside Jaws hearing back from mm. huge mm. Jaws fans going I didn't know that you know yeah. I've never seen that before where did you get that <laughs> and it's not a matter of showing off or boasting it's just I I love digging for I'm you know it's like archaeology I kind of dig and dig and dig until I find something that people didn't expect me to find mm. Mm, like the Indiana Jones of film documentary making. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever called you that before? I mean, I feel like that's a pretty cool title. I feel like they have, should have so. done, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just pop my fedora on. Yeah. <laughs> so your your latest project, very mm. exciting, uh, is is what you've come on to to talk about really amongst mm. all these other things as well. But um, yeah, tell us tell us about it. Tell us what the what it is you're you're working on at the moment and why that will be of interest uh, to our listeners particularly. <laughs> well, to put it into a little bit of context, so I started those filmumentaries. Like I said, they were done kind of under the radar. I didn't get any rights clearance. I didn't make any money on them whatsoever. I always stated that I didn't ever sell mm. them in fact I you know used to tell people off for selling them on eBay and things like that and, at, and at <laughs> film fairs then I moved on to doing these kind of standalone projects like the Evil Powell one I mentioned I spoke to Robert Watts as well which I think I mentioned um, and also Dave Barkley who was a, a puppeteer on uh, The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi he operated Yoda 
when Frank Oz had to leave and go and do Sesame Street Live or something. And he also was the, <laughs> the lead puppeteer with, with Jabber and then Dark Crystal and all those movies. So they were like half an hour things and I was kind of building momentum towards something. And I had a few things with studios. I think at one point Warner Brothers wanted, uh, we had chats and we were going to do something on Chinatown and then maybe mm-hmm. Superman and then... I chatted to um, Fox and we did like a year of pre-production on something for Planet of the Apes in a, in a filmumentary styling. That kind of collapsed because the executive left. Um, so I've had these few projects that have kind of collapsed. Like, a, <laughs> was it Eddie Azard says, like a flan in a cupboard. Um, <laughs> and then and then I've always been pushing forward. And then the podcast came about and, and I interviewed um, somebody which I'm sure your listeners will know about, Joe Alves, the production designer mm. on, on Jaws. He worked on Close Encounters as well with Stephen and, and the Sugarland Express. Listen to me saying Stephen. Stephen Spielberg. <laughs> um, and then he went on to work for John Carpenter a couple of times and, you know, he directed Jaws 3D and all that stuff. And then he tried to get mm-hmm. gigs um, uh, directing and had to go back to kind of production design. But Joe was a guy who... You know, he's when I spoke to him, I think he was 85 and mm. I didn't realise that he started at Disney. He helped animate the id yeah. in Forbidden Planet and he was drawing the cookies for Sleeping Beauty and Walt Disney <laughs> himself was correcting him. You know, then he went on to work for Universal TV and worked for Hitchcock. He was friends with Paul Newman. He was friends with Dickie Smothers, who was one half of the Smothers Brothers, a big comedy duo in the States. If you talk to any American of a certain age, they'll know the Smothers Brothers. <laughs> and Joe had all these amazing little, they weren't name drops because he was just kind of talking about them because it was his job, you know. And mm-hmm. my friend and I were talking one day, um, Patrick Tyndall, my friend, he's a cameraman. I work in television in live sport and we work together on, on Formula One. And he's, he's a bit older than me. So he was the perfect age when when Jaws came out. And he said, you know, we really should go and speak to Joe again and kind of get all of his stories out because, you know, I only had an hour or so with him and mostly it was Jaws and Close Encounters. Um, And I said, what do you mean, get him on the podcast again? He's like, no, we should go out there and and record all these things because we'd we'd shot these things before with Robert Watts and Evil Evil Powell and Dave Barkley. And Paddy's a very good cameraman, very, uh, very good eye for it. And... um, you know, he said, you know, your interviewing skills are coming along really well in the podcast. And, you know, my camera's going to be out in the States. Um, he has two cameras uh, on a gig uh, out in the States. And he said, look, we could do this quite cheaply if we just split the fare, you know, your fare, because I'm being paid to go out already. And we'll spend the week with Joe. So I lined it all up and we went over there and we we we, we were hoping we were flying over there. We were hoping I really hope Joe's got some stuff still, you know, just a few little bits around the house and maybe a couple of pictures or something. And we arrive in Los Angeles and go straight for a in and out burger, check into our hotel. The next morning we're due to go down to Joe's house, which is just outside Los Angeles. And we go down this nice little quaint driveway and there he is. There's Joe, you know, we, we all know what Joe looks like. <laughs> And he's sitting there leaning on his car waiting for us. And immediately he's just the most welcoming person, him and his wife, Jerry, mm. and their daughter was there as well, one of their daughters. They just welcomed us into their house. And what astounded us was that not only were they amazing, welcoming people, but Joe just, you know, we we had a rapport almost within the first morning. We had this rapport. We talked over his career off mic and off camera. And mm. he was showing us, you know, we said, have you got, have you got, 
much stuff like you know have you got any scripts and things and he said follow me and he he'd taken out of his secure storage um all of his archive and now joe has kept something <laughs> from everything he worked on like from mm. the from the tv days in universal he's got set drawings he's got photographs he's got storyboards blueprints you know later on polaroids he's got the original sketches um from when he thought how would a shark work in in the sea what are we going to have to build and you know and he drew the kind of gimbal thing for, for bruce the shark and there it is on tracing paper mm. you know and i'm holding it in my hand and just kind of <laughs> freaking out a little bit and we spent we thought you know he's 86 he's he's gonna he's 86 at this point he's gonna give us two days uh, two hours a day and um you know he's going to need some rest. No, we spent seven to eight hours a day with Joe for five days, including visiting the Academy Museum where one of the um, sharks that was restored from the original moulds is hanging. Mm -hmm. And we interviewed Joe there with his plaque on the wall saying that he was the one that designed it. And we just had the best week. Like we, we just couldn't stop smiling, Paddy and I. And <laughs> we said, look, you know, the money we spent up to this point, even if it stops there, We've had a brilliant time. You know, we'd spent a couple of thousand, I think, getting out there and accommodation and everything else. And um, we came back and started to go through the footage. And we thought, you know, we, we do have something here. But, you know, we've got our full-time jobs. We're both freelancers. Um, so we're working on Formula One and tennis and football and rugby and cricket and all sorts of things. Um, so we spent the last few months kind of formulating a plan to make a documentary our first feature-length documentary about Joe, about his life and about his career in the industry. Because, as I said, he rubbed shoulders with everyone. You know, <laughs> he was smoking on a balcony with Jay Sebring before, two nights before the Manson murders. You know, just mm. crazy stuff. He was, like, <laughs> building 40 sets a week at Universal. He worked with Spielberg when he was, you know, doing some of the early TV stuff for Rod Serling and... You know, there's so much there and so many people love Joe as well. Um, so doors have kind of started opening up for us in terms of other contributors. So we thought this isn't a half an hour thing anymore. You know, we've got hours and hours of mm -hmm. stuff with Joe. We've got all these amazing stories. We've got this whole thing about this man having his memories physically in front of him and he's he loves his memories you know he's still very mm. compassmentous you know and you know we were talking about you know these guys aren't going to be around forever well we got over there and joe said i have three relatives that live to 103 so he may well outlive <laughs> me <laughs> um so yeah we've just kind of embarked on this project to to make not your average joe um which is going to be a feature documentary it's on kickstarter right now we've been on kickstarter for a week we had a very good start we i think we got up to seven thousand within the first mm -hmm. 24 hours and now we're at 12 and a half something like that but we what we actually need is eighty thousand to finish the documentary which sounds like a lot wow. <laughs> but that can be eaten up just by a sound mix <laughs> mm -hmm. or just by mm -hmm. post-production for a few weeks we're doing it as cheaply as we can like most of it ourselves we've kind of assembled a team of um, sound and music and editorial and color grading and we're, we're not making any money on this ultimately we're making this because we we feel you know we kind of fell in love with joe we did i'm, I'm not going to mm. say kind of we did fall in love with joe and his <laughs> wife and his daughter and their dog and their house and everything and we now feel like we should 
honor joe um with the best documentary we can make and um mm. yeah that's where we are at the moment so we're kind of spent the week last uh, this week uh just tweeting instagramming facebooking everything just trying to get the message out there and mostly it's been friends family and contacts on twitter that i've known for many many years that have contributed so far um I think if I look at the stats here, 129 people have backed us and we've raised 14 and a half thousand. So it feels like we just need to get the message out there to people because, you know, we want to make this documentary. It's going to be feature length. If you bid, if you back us at a certain level, you can get, um, you know, an HD download. Another level, you can get a Blu-ray or a Blu-ray collector set. There's we're going to reproduce the Jaws um, crew T-shirt as well. Mm. And we're going to get Joe to sign storyboards or you can have an executive producer credit or you can have a corporate package. <laughs> and we're just trying to cater for just about everyone who loves Jaws. Yeah. Um, I realise that I've spent five minutes answering your one question, <laughs> but <laughs> that's kind of where we're at at the moment. And, you know, we're just doing everything we can to kind of make sure that everybody who likes these movies and it's not just about Jaws. There'll be a big chunk mm. of Jaws in there, but it'll be about, you know, his early stuff and just all those people he kind of rub shoulders with and who knows where it might go you know maybe a museum might get involved at some point and display all of joe's stuff you know we'd love to be able to be part of that as well and that will also become part of the documentary yeah, i've, stop, I've stopped talking now <laughs> <laughs> i mean it sounds amazing uh i you will have two people ready and willing to watch this uh as long as it all comes together in in me and mj and certainly in a lot of our listeners as well mm. so we of course will uh will share the the, the kickstarter and all the links Great. um we'll put them in the in the episode description we'll tweet those out as well but Great. yeah would urge our listeners to to go and have a look i was looking at the uh, the Kickstarter earlier and just sort of like reading through, you know, all the things that that you want to do that you've got planned. I mean, it sounds very exciting. The sort of the people that you have got involved or that yeah. you're hoping to, you know, you're close to sort of securing uh, possible interviews with some pretty big names on the list. So I think people will be very excited um, to to be involved uh, in in this in some way and when it's something you feel you know can really really get behind and obviously money is a bit of an issue for people at the moment but mm -hmm. there's the different levels you know and every amount really does help doesn't it i mean you could have one incredibly generous person come along at the last minute and get you to your total and that would be absolutely incredible yeah but i mean at the same what was time, amazing it's... was you know when we started it was last sunday i was working at formula one i was doing the last race of the season and just in a short break at 11 a.m i just hit launch and off it went mm. and then i didn't look until i'd finished the race some hours later and we'd had you know like five thousand pounds and by yeah. the end of like the first two days we'd had four people give us a thousand pounds um you know they get they get a great perk for that. they get an executive producer credit they get this huge merch bundle of exclusive mm. stuff that you can't get anywhere else but you know i was amazed at people's kind of engagement with it and you know we've had a few people in fact the, the least contributed tier is the ten dollar tier for which is just a Here's wow. 10 pounds. Good luck. You know, when you go, we've had one yeah. person back that, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of, you know, the the most popular one has actually been the, the Blu-ray with the extras and you get your name in the credits. You know, we just want to mm. make sure that if people are contributing, they get something out of it as well. Not only the merch, but they get their name on, on screen. And yeah, we're, we're excited because 
as I said earlier, doors are beginning to open. Like Greg Nicotero is a friend of Joe's, mm, and we mm-hmm. we were put in touch with Greg. Greg works, of course, on the the Walking Dead, and he's kind of the prosthetics guy. You know, he he admires Joe's work, and he kind of made contact with Joe, and they became good friends. And Greg said, "Absolutely, I'm involved." He's on that. He's on our trailer, doing a bit of voice over there. He's currently mm. in Paris <laughs> working on something, and he's uh, you know been able to give a little bit of his time to kind of help us out. We now need him to tweet it and. <laughs> Instagram it because he's got millions of followers um, but like yeah. Carl Gottlieb the writer of Jaws um, said yeah mm. what do you need you know Joe's great um, mm. Paddy Patrick uh, my colleague drove up to um, see Dick's mothers and interviewed him about their time together they used to race cars together along with Paul Newman and Dennis Prince, <laughs> who wrote Designing Jaws, which I'm sure of your, a lot of your listeners have mm. on their bookshelves mm-hmm, next mm-hmm. to them right now yeah and then we're hoping to chat to people like Roy Arbogast, who was the special effects guy on Jaws and Close Encounters, went on to like Return of the Jedi and a bit of a legend in the industry. He's in his mm. 80s, late 80s now, still around. Joe visited him a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, and I'm sure he's got some great stories. And we want to reach as high as possible. You know, we want to talk to John Carpenter and we want to talk to Steven Spielberg. Um, mm-hmm. And we want to talk to Dean Cundy, Richard Dreyfuss, you know, Bob Balaban, yeah. anybody... Each time we've contacted some Leah Thompson, you know, whose career was launched on uh, Jaws mm, 3D, I've been mm-hmm. trying to get in touch with her. And quite funnily, her people kind of copied me in on an email that I wasn't meant to be copied in on. Like, should we pass this on to Leah? She's quite busy. And I just replied saying, I think she'd Hello. be into this. You know, <laughs> I'm still here. Um, I don't know if I, that's kind of hit the end of the road, that that little um, yeah, that little yeah. path. But yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, Joe jo said he bumped into her at some film fair and she came up and gave him a big <laughs> hug and said, oh, Joe, you started my career, you know. Um, so hopefully she'll get the message as well. And we just want to give Joe and his family something that, you know, we can be proud of. And um, mm. yeah, as I said, reaching for the top with Steven Spielberg, I managed to get hold of the address of his publicist who... I think it was when I was doing the Robert Watts thing, I sent that sent that to him and, and he was going to send it on to Stephen for him to watch. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'm aware he's very much in the <laughs> the press madness of his latest film. Mm. But, you know, we're talking yeah. months down the line to, to interview him. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, he, he owes a lot to Joe, you know, getting mm. through Jaws mm. and through Close Encounters and, um, you know, in the early days, Sugarland Express and the the night gallery stuff for Rod Serling, some of the first mm. TV that, that Steven Spielberg directed. And I think as these guys get older, they look back at those simpler times, you know, with more and more fondness. And I really do hope that Stephen is willing to give us, you know, even if it's half an hour, it'd just be amazing if we if we could do that. So we are aiming high, but the, the documentary is only going to be made if we get this target of 80,000. We're, we're going to, if it doesn't go down that route, if we don't get enough, then we'll still make it. It just probably won't be as good as we want it to be, you know. Um, yeah. And that would that would be the shame. Um, but, um, or that would be a shame. But, um, yeah, we're, we're aiming high and, you know, we're surprised already. You know, £15,000 in a week is, is no small yeah. amount of money. So um, we're, we're very kind of heartened by people's response. And now it's just a matter of just as I said, just trying to tell just about everybody possible. I've, mm. I literally spent <laughs> a day WhatsApping everybody I know, just a <laughs> bit, bit of a random one. I'm making this. Would yeah. you mind passing this on to any nerds for me? You know, 
yeah, calling in all the favors. Yep, it's yeah, yeah it's got to be done to mm-hmm. to spread the word, hasn't it? But I think Definitely. it's. I mean, what an incredible career Joe Alves has had, and. I mean, not, you know, the films that he's been involved in are a lot of people's favourite films, but yet, unless you're big film nerds like we are, the name, you know, might not necessarily be one that, that people sort of instantly recognise, but mm. his work and his contribution to film is amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we're, you know, massive Jaws fans on this yeah. podcast, kind of clues, clues in the name, uh, but his work on that is just... I mean, throughout the whole time we were going minute by minute through Jaws, we kept saying about how great the production design is on Jaws. And it's mm. not even just the the big things like like the shark, like the orca. We loved the the just design of Quint's cabin. There's yeah. so much in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so fascinating to unpick all of those things and how much work goes into making the films look the way that they do and the importance of the props and the sets and everything like that and they make the film it's such an Mm. important part of the film and there's so much that can be taken away from that i mean we were forever pausing it and zooming in and looking at things (laughs) in the background because that's (laughs) the whole point of our podcast but (laughs) to have all that stuff there the richness in the background and it's i mean the they are people that are usually in the background so bringing him to the to the foreground and having a whole thing about him i Mm. think is just such a cool i just think it's such a cool idea (laughs) and a lot of people be interested in in seeing it as well yeah i hope so i you know that steven spielberg of course is at the helm of all of his projects but we have Mm. this kind of alter theory you know regarding directors but joe built the world for Jaws yeah. <laughs> and for Close Encounters and for Escape from New York, you know, if he hadn't have done that, if he hadn't have found Martha's Vineyard, you know, he scouted the entire Eastern Seaboard and found that Martha's Vineyard was the right depth to have this, you know, shark in the way they were building mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. the town fit the bill. And he went and reported back to Stephen. You know, he did the same thing with Close Encounters. He, he, you know, found Devil's Tower. I mean, he didn't find it, but he chose it, you know, and said, <laughs> this one really fits the bill. I think we could have the the mothership land here and. Stephen fell in love with the idea and immediately, you know, you think of Close Encounters, you think of Devil's Mm. Tower, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you get to Escape from New York and you think of that kind of dystopian prison island of New York, of Manhattan and Snake Plissken walking around and just all the graffiti on the walls and all the rubbish everywhere and the plane that Mm. was, you know, the president's plane chopped in half and the fire and Joe built and his team built all of that stuff, you know, these films wouldn't have the richness that they have without Joe's work. And he's just so humble, you know, he's just so mm-hmm. straightforward. He's he's just a craftsman and he is fantastic with his hands. You know, he's aged 86, he's still crafting things in his workshop. You know, we've got stuff of mm-hmm. him we've shot in his workshop at his lathe and he just, he always wants to just build and move on to the next project, you know. And um, yeah. it's something to be admired. I really admire those people that worked in that kind of tangible visceral world of filmmaking you know they put a shark in the sea you know like a fake shark in the sea (laughs) it was the open sea and it's crazy yeah and you know we have heard a lot of those stories before but what we've done with joe as well is we've gone deeper and we've Mm. you know my the opportunity to talk to people on my podcast is for maybe an hour an hour and a half you get maybe just through the kind of the standard anecdotes and then you get to the the gold 
but when spending a week with Joe, you know, he he turned to his wife and say, "Oh, Jerry, what what was the Elvis movie I worked on?" Yeah, you worked on an <laughs> Elvis movie, <laughs> and then he goes, "Ah,、oh, I did a Monroe picture as well," and. It's like oh my god, half of the stuff he did is just not on IMDb or on Wikipedia. Yeah, like, and so half of it's wrong actually.、Um, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to set the record straight on that and just, you know, marvel at the the forty years he spent in the industry. And there's all the films that didn't get made as well. He has、mm. all of the stuff from them. He has the storyboards,、mm. the concept drawings. You know, all of the correspondence between him and the directors. And it's funny how. You know, I mentioned Ivor Powell earlier, who was really Scott's Ryan man. I I spoke to him on the phone a couple of days ago when I WhatsApped him this message saying, "Hey, Ivor, <laughs> just made this," and he phoned me up. He said, "I didn't know you were making this. This is the first I've heard. This is great." You know, and he's donated, and he said, "Oh, I remember Joe. I we we were trying to get a film off the ground once,、um, a script that I'd written. Yeah, and I spent weeks talking to Joe on the phone. What a lovely man! I'm so glad you're making this." And <laughs> We've never heard a bad word about Joe from anyone, mm, um, mm. you know. And I just love the idea of, as I keep saying, you know, just having this kind of lasting memory, this、uh, this chance to kind of look back. It's been great for him, you know. He we, after the week we spent there before we said goodbye, he said, "I've enjoyed this so much, you know. I don't get a、oh. chance to talk like this and to look back、mm. like this." And you know, I said. Joe, you you should be so proud of what you've done. You've、mm. you've brought joy、mm. to people's lives doing, just doing your job, you know, and、um, yeah, I think he was kind of a little bit taken aback by that. But、um, mm. we've left on great terms, and we're hoping to get back there. You know, it's near. Oh God, it、yeah. was like February, March we went, so the year <laughs> has kind of slipped by. But we're hoping to get back there. Whether we get to this eighty、uh, grand or not, we're going to try and get back there.、Uh, let's see、mm. what my wife says about that. But.、Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But、uh, yeah, if 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 you're if you're a fan of Blu-rays and DVD extras and things, then yeah, I really encourage you to check out the Kickstarter and just have a read through, take your time and watch the trailer,、um, and you'll get a real sense, I think, of the charm of not only the the man himself, but the kind of、mm. the style in which we want to make this film. It's not going to be a You know the movies that made us crash, bang, wallop, take the piss, left, right, and centre.、Mm. <laughs> um, it's going to be you know humble, and it's going to you know it's going to have a nice pace to it, and it's going to have a real charm.、Mm. I hope. I think we've we've managed to communicate that. I think with the trailer. So yeah, check it out and see what、yeah. you think. Yeah, definitely. And、um, so the the sort of the the headlines.、Uh, so our listeners listening to this now, what、uh, two or three things do you? Want them to do what can what can help you out at this stage? So if you go to Kickstarter and you search for "Not Your Average Joe,"、um, you'll see the full pitch, where we list out the kind of pitch, Joe's story, the project, our aims, why we need your help, the team we've built,、um, and what impact we think it could have. And you know, we're we're kind of. Taking a pragmatic approach here, we understand the complexities of making these things. You know, we work in live TV. We understand what it takes to put something together and get it to air. It's a different discipline、mm-hmm. making something like this, but、um, you know, we're we're very honest about you know how difficult this is going to be and the challenges and risks involved. So I think the main thing people could do is check out the Kickstarter. If you're interested, look at the tiers. There's everything from ten pounds to five thousand pounds. If you want your company logo at the front. Uh, you can do that and have an executive producer credit, or you might just want to give ten pounds. If you can't do any of those things, please just share it. Just share it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, wherever you know.、Um, 
just just get it out there because we haven't got the marketing budget that is necessary to make sure everyone sees this um mm -hmm. you know we have spent several thousand pounds um also trying to market this but that doesn't get you very far um we've you know we've mm -hmm. paid for a few a few tweets here and there with big big accounts and you know there's only so far you can go with that without really emptying your bank account and we we're not in the position to do that what we are in the position to do is make a, a fantastic documentary about this man should we reach our target um um that's what we're aiming for so yeah do do check out the the kickstarter and you'll see me waffling on on twitter um at jamie swb that was when i made star wars begins um <laughs> the name stuck um i'm on there every day multiple times a day saying hey look at this clip i put a bunch of so we've got a four minute reel um mm -hmm. a trailer but i've been putting up little clips and little snippets that are draws related close encounters related escape from new york related so there'll be more of those this uh this coming week as well and we're just going to keep pushing and and keep making sure we think the audience is there we really mm -hmm. do we've had 129 backers um if a thousand of you got involved we're there if 500 of you got involved at this current rate maybe we can get there as well we just need to get the word out and we know it's difficult for people to part with their money at the moment we're closing on on christmas we probably haven't done the best timing here but we're just so excited to be able to put this out and and show people what we've done so far and, and hopefully you'll agree that it looks great and feels great and uh yeah be willing to to kind of chip in in any way you can whether it's financially or just hitting that retweet Mm -hmm. yeah definitely it it all helps uh get the word out there and if uh people listening to this think that you know someone as well uh not just someone with deep pockets but you know sure why not uh and then send it Absolutely. their way as well if it's <laughs> anyone who's passionate about film uh independent projects you know getting behind something like this then definitely share it with with people that you know as well i think it's word of mouth can be very powerful <laughs> with mm -hmm. these things and definitely. when you haven't got you know the the sort of the marketing budget then you really do rely on on people retweeting putting out tweets sending it to people that they know and 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 getting that word out there so yeah we'll definitely urge our listeners to get involved in that as well and obviously we we will help out in in any way we can and and spread the word Thank on you. that as well because uh yeah i personally i'm very excited about the idea <laughs> of it i keep just scrolling through the kickstarter and i'm like oh it just sounds so great and i would like to watch this so hopefully uh it gets to happen in and, and happen in the way that you want it to as well i yeah. think it's you know it's you've got these big dreams and that's i think you have to go big with these things don't you it's like you want it to be the best possible to, to do justice to to the man but regardless you know you something will come of it but we want to see the the vision the thing that you have in your head come to life and i think yeah. that would be incredible so thank you and you know just one extra thing i wanted to add was that i think i might have mentioned it earlier but we're really not doing this for profit you know we mm -hmm. want to just mm -hmm. preserve this story if we manage to sell the documentary onto a distributor great you know but it's not our our ultimate aim we just want to get this made we want to get it out to the fans and we want to you know as i said we want to honor joe's legacy mm. yeah thank you i think that's a that's a, a great place to leave it so thank you so much uh jamie for coming on this has been 
really great to talk. I feel like we could talk for many, many hours about all the people that that you've (laughs) spoken to and the various things you've been involved with. So we'll have to try and get you to uh, come on to another episode of LJ Fam at some point and hopefully give us an update. I mean, yeah, if, if this all goes uh goes the way that we want it to then we would love to sort of hear how it's going further down the line that would be that would be great so yeah yeah, we will yeah we will we will definitely keep in touch but um yeah for our listeners we'll put all those links out hopefully they'll be in the description as well uh jamie's already mentioned where you can find it on twitter and we will tweet that also um so you can find us usual places at jaws for a minute on twitter and instagram uh until next time it's jaws o'clock somewhere